0: What is up, my friends? Welcome to Drop In, where we have open, authentic conversations about all things mental health, including everything you need to know about burnout. So excited to have on my guest here today, who is a psychologist in private practice in Florida who specializes in anxiety, burnout, and perfectionism. She particularly enjoys helping anxious overachievers experience greater ease by finding worth in being, not just doing. Lord knows I need that. She received her undergrad degree in psychology from Duke University, an MA in psychology from Harvard. Wow. Okay, I don't know if I knew that. A PhD in counseling psychology from the University of Miami. And she is the chief wellness advisor for Misfits Gaming Group, a global esports and entertainment leader, building thoughtfully tailored programs from the ground up for its competitive teams and content creators to boost performance and prevent burnout. She lives in South Florida with her husband and two kids. Dr. Carolyn Rubenstein, thanks so much for dropping in.
1: Oh, thank you. That was so cool to hear you say all of that (laughs) because you knew me before all of it.
0: That you're you knew what I was gonna bring up first. I did. I I have to address the elephant in the room right away. That back in 2015, maybe into 2016, you survived a semester worth of supervision. From hardly
1: survived a doctoral
0: (laughs) intern named (laughs) Justin Michael Pooter. How how did you overcome that supervision? Did it ruin you as a therapist?
1: It made me honestly, no. I and I think I told you this when I was going through supervision. I was like, how are you? You went through every tape, line by line of our session, my sessions, and you would give me critique and support and nothing I've ever gotten. And honestly, it shaped me as a person and as a therapist and it gave me confidence to show up and not have like all my notes and be a human being. And just like, you helped me to like, just build that confidence. No, I'm so, it's, I'm so serious. You need to push
0: away the hundreds of dollars I pay you, paid you to say that it's like, oh, right. it's like on the desk oh, behind my gosh. you like yeah, swipe yeah. it away i'm not gonna
1: tell, any, I'm not gonna tell anyone about it. it was so cool though it was such a cool experience such like a, a moment in time you know when you get I, I miss supervision so much just in general it was such like an amazing you know where you record your sessions and like i mean during it you you're like petrified but today i would love it i would love someone to be oh, like God. this is what we could do differently or like here are some ideas and
0: I to. Totally. I, I I tell people all the time, once you're out of school and you no longer get supervision anymore, you're gonna miss it. But at the time and mm-hmm. you're in the middle of school, everyone's watching you become a therapist, you can hit those points where you're like, oh, I really wish people I didn't have all these eyes on me, but I agree. Now it's been years. Yeah. I'm like, I would love anybody to give me some feedback. Yeah, anyone, <laughs> anyone,
1: please. Am I am I like on the right track? Am I on the right plane? Like, am I doing anything <laughs> right anymore? I don't know. Hopefully.
0: Totally. Yeah. But our, our paths crossed there at the University of Miami and gorgeous Coral Gables there. And oh, it was I know such a great center, such a great training experience. I know for me. Yeah. Um, But it's awesome. It's awesome to cross paths with you again later in life. And this is a topic we have not talked about at all yet here on Drop In, but it's a very popular one. A lot of people will ask about it. Burnout. So to start out, like, can we create like a working definition for what burnout is? Like, how, how do you define it?
1: Yeah, so it's like, it really has like three main parts to it. And there's really, I think the part that we all, you know, hear and think about emotional exhaustion, right? You're just like tired, you are drained, you are literally burnt out, right? You feel all of that just like fatigue mm. um in every aspect the other parts we don't talk about as much the other two parts which is like you feel like a cynicism a detachment. you're not as excited about what you're doing you might feel like something that you used to enjoy doing you don't really enjoy doing it anymore um you might feel very isolated in what you're doing um you know and just feeling a little kind of not as hopeful you know and optimistic about the path forward um and the third part, which is what, honestly, I probably see people in therapy the most for, which is interesting, is a decreased sense of accomplishment. So you feel like you're working your butt off um, and you're not getting the same results anymore. Uh, so you might be so tired. You might be working all the time. You might be completely isolated but you're not doing very well, or you don't feel that you're doing very well. Um, And so when you put all those parts together, that's that's full-blown burnout. Um, The cool thing with burnout is that you don't have to have all of those parts. You can have pieces of it, and you can work towards getting better, so you don't have to experience all three at the same time, because... That's not fun. Um, I've been there and it's not enjoyable. And it's a lot harder to get back from that than it is to get back from, I'm just feeling like a little tired and a little kind of um, cynical or less hopeful about things than to have everything at the extreme. So um, that's kind of burnout too, you know, at its core. Four, um components, and you can experience it in anything. We talk about it a lot with work, but you can experience it in caregiving. You can experience it um, as a uh, in a romantic relationship, as a friend, um, as a um, student, as a teacher. You know, in any in any area of life, as a parent. You know, all of these things. You can really experience burnout even like in self-help, you know, if you're really on a journey towards self-help, you can, you can get to a point where you've just kind of burnt through kind of all of your resources.
0: Mm. I'm glad that you named that because I think a lot of people out there will think burnout equals work or like burnout means Mm -hmm. career, but you're right. There's really no dimension that is off limits from us experiencing these symptoms that you laid out there. I think one thing that comes to mind right away for me is, so burnout's not in the DSM. Right. Like people don't get diagnosed as burnout, which is there's plenty of things not in the DSM and the DSM is always a hot button thing, especially if you talk to therapists, psychologists, anybody out there working in the profession. How much do you rely on what's in the book versus what you see happening in front of you and and treating people? Right. What what are the because I hear a lot of similarities between burnout and depression? What what are the similarities and what are the differences?
1: Yeah. So you'll see a lot of like depression, anxiety, and those um, kind of the DSM criteria, those elements in that emotional exhaustion, Mm -hmm. that first component. And so that part where you have depression, anxiety, insomnia, um, more so of the, you know, the physical components, you might notice that more so in that first element. And so you might be, if someone's coming in with depression, that they also have other elements that are related more so to burnout and not just simply, you know, simply depression um but have things that are contributing to that depression um in other areas if you treat it just as depression you might be missing a piece of the puzzle um and it's there's more contributing to it um and that's why it's so important when we talk about looking at like the systems right like how are how are they doing socially when we think about like cynicism and detachments like are they completely isolated from normal networks um, of support are they feeling you know less you know connected with people um, less connected to their under the why and the hope and, um, you know, spirituality, if that was a big part for them. And then, you know, looking at how they feel about their sense of self and their sense of self-worth and that sense of accomplishment that they're kind of moving forward um, as a person, you know, regardless of the external metrics. But you see very much the depression, the DSM criteria in that first element, and Mm. you will miss a big part of it if you only focus on that. But I don't think many modern psychologists, at least now, we'll focus solely on that just a sliver without looking at the whole picture of the person um, in context.
0: Absolutely. And so I'm sure we know this to be true generally, but like people can have depression, you can have burnout, you could have just one or the other. But Mm -hmm. in your experience, does does burnout, if you experience burnout, does it make you more at risk for depression?
1: I would say absolutely. Absolutely, you know, more at risk for it just because you've got a lot working against you if you are, you know, experiencing because you have. You know, all the things that we look out for, if you're feeling like, you know, like you're less connected to people, you're doing things that aren't making you feel very good about yourself, like you're doing all the things that would kind of encourage you to do, um, doing things that, you know, are activating, that are connecting you with others, that are getting you up and giving you purpose um, and moving forward. So you would be much more at risk for, you know, if you maintain that, you know, maintain what's kind of contributing to the burnout, you would be more at risk for developing like true depression. um, Mm -hmm. If you maintain kind of that cycle of staying, you know, very isolated and very kind of very low self-esteem or sense of self self self-worth and wanting to kind of retreat further and further into a hole.
0: Right, right. And I think that leads me to my next question, which is, how long does burnout last? So like you see someone, they come into your office and I guess in that case, like they're actively working on it. So for the people we don't yeah. see, we might not know like yeah. how generally lasts, but how long in the people that you see and treat do you think burnout lasts for?
1: I mean, usually when, I see people like they don't often know that they're a lot of times they don't know it's burnout, right? Like they're coming and it's at the point where they've been through a major stressor or they've been through something, you know, for a very long time. They're getting to the point where it's like they've tried everything and nothing's changing because usually burnout is someone who is working really hard at, at something. It's not work maybe specifically, but it could be someone who's dealt with a medical diagnosis and is experiencing medical burnout because they have been through going you know to 15 different hospitals for different workups and you know different treatments and are just completely drained um, from that experience or from caregiving um, but they don't know that it's burnout and so it could be something that is i think of it as like a slow drip that kind of over time kind of overflows and so for some people it can be years you know before before they get to that point where it's overflowing. And for others, they are very self-aware and very in tune, or they're already in therapy and a therapist is like, okay, I feel like this is getting into a place where you're getting a little away from, you know, yourself and what brings you kind of your sense of joy and fulfillment. And like, let's start to look at that and kind of bring back some pieces. Whereas if you're not very aware over time, it really gets to a point where it can get really bad before you, you seek help. And that could be years for someone. And or it could be a matter of of a few months. Um, So it really depends on what is the stressor, um, if it's kind of slowly over time, or if it's kind of a really big stressor that comes up um, and really kind of pounds you out of nowhere.
0: Absolutely, so well explained and detailed. So if someone's gonna go see a therapist or yeah, someone comes and sees you, what are the things you do as a therapist to help someone move through burnout, gain back their motivation, sense of achievement, feel yeah. good about themselves? Like, what what do you do in that, that therapy office?
1: What do I do in that therapy office, right? <laughs> I think the first thing is first identifying, like, okay, like, this might be burnout. Like, let's just talk mm-hmm. about, like, give it a name, right? Like, to name what's going on, to understand, is this what's going on? And then does the person want to change anything, right? Is there, is there a motivation for change? Are they okay experiencing this? Would they prefer not to be experiencing this? Um, if they prefer not to be, then that's where kind of we come in and we look at, okay, let's get back to what, what was, what, was, what were things like before all of this? And mm-hmm. do we want to move back, you know, towards that? And what would be some of those factors that would be more fueling? And so looking at what fuels the individual, what drains the individual and starting to insert more of the fueling things. Because at some point it gets to be like your days are consisting of things that are just completely draining and completely depleting. Um, And so just little, little changes at a time can make a huge difference and can give a person back a sense of control and a sense of hope that they are accomplishing things again. They're not as detached from the underlying why. And all of that, you know, can increase their sense of energy and bring back and kind of challenge that emotional exhaustion as well. So it really creates a really good and positive ripple effects where once you start to make little changes, you start to see really kind of big shifts um, Mm -hmm. in terms of the hope and the energy um, come back. And it's, it's really wonderful. It's not, it's something where you get to see kind of, quick changes, which is nice. Um, And I think that idea that you have to, a lot of people will be like, well, I can't take six months off of work or I can't take, I can't just Mm -hmm. abandon my family or all my responsibilities. And that is okay, right? So oftentimes we want to look out and be like, okay, what do I change outside of me to make this all better? But what we can do is we can kind of start within us and look at like, okay, what within me can I begin to shift versus everything outside of me, because outside of us, we tend to have a lot less control, but we can start with what's within us. And that can be simple things um, of looking at how we spend our time during the day, shifting a few little things, putting in things when we're going to sleep or when we wake up in the morning, um, you know, the water that we drink, just things like little things that we do to give us back a sense of control and a sense of agency within our lives.
0: I love that you use the word control and agency in there because, I, I, as you were talking, I was reflecting on the time where I experienced pr- definitely my worst and longest period of burnout. It was in the middle of my doctorate program there at Auburn, where my days were so filled of draining, stressful tasks, doing research, you know, being a young therapist, going to class, you know, trying not to flunk out. I had yeah. literally zapped out of my days any little thing that would bring me joy. And I, you know, I was yeah. waking up early with stimulants, you know, pounding coffee, working late into the night, yeah. doing all the yeah. things that grad students have to do. And like one of the first small changes I did is I just started going two times a week to this volleyball club. And It was just something I could look forward to. I love playing volleyball. I wasn't doing anything physical at that time. But me in my mind of like, I know Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, I'm going to play volleyball for two hours. But like, it it just became this light that had gravity. And then I started doing more things like as you're suggesting of if you would have asked me in the midst of that, of like, well, I have no time. There's there's just no time. There's nothing I can do. completely helpless. But the reality is there were small things when I just allowed myself to rise up. And I remember that first time I went to the volleyball club, I like made myself go. It's not like I was skipping my shoes. I was so whatever. I was like, I I have to do this for me. But then as it gets into your schedule and, and like you said, you start implementing these small changes the shifts create waves of like, whoa, now mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling a lot better and I still have to do the schoolwork. I still have to do the research. I still have no idea what I'm doing as a young therapist, but like, yeah. I'm starting to incorporate things in my life that bring me that joy and balance.
1: Yeah. And I remember thinking, cause that's when I first experienced it too, is mm-hmm. that as a grad student. And I remember thinking it was similar where I would like, I had to like take, I think for me, it was more yoga. I think I started yoga and I did it like once a week. And that was like a big deal. If I still remember that yoga studio is like my sanctuary it became like a sanctuary and it was like on campus. And like, so it wasn't too much time out on campus, but I remember thinking before that, like everyone else around me, that they would do this, they would go for a run or they would go, you know, meet someone for coffee. And I was like, oh my gosh, they are, they're wasting so much time. Like I'm going <laughs> to stay here and do work while they do that why are they doing that like i'm so ahead of the game i don't do anything for me and then i realize, like they come back and they have so much more energy and they are just like yep. they have like a new like a new perspective and so i'm like all right i have to change something because i'm done here like i you work so much that you do notice like you you start to try to squeeze every ounce mm-hmm. of of energy from the day, but you don't realize that like, you're not a robot and you have to fuel yourself to keep going. And so that's what I kind of, through yoga and like that, taking that time for me or just going for a walkout, like going outside, you know, something I would come back and be like, things would look different. I would think clearer. I would think more creatively. I would be able to just shift how I focused and things would get done quicker. And so you don't, you lose track of that. You're less effective, less efficient. Um, And so you kind of, you can get really like, you get tunnel vision until you kind of begin to change things up.
0: Absolutely. And a lot of us get pulled into that because we think it's the right thing. You know whether yeah. it's to do with grad school, work, caregiving—you name it. We we think it's the right thing to just pour all our energy in here. And like you said, yeah. sometimes it's like the society we live in—we're getting ahead or we're being the best yeah. possible. Yes, yes. And in reality, you're right. It's it's a great way to be very ineffective, and mm-hmm. a lot of times, like we we get in that state, we're like you know, why am I so tired? I just need more coffee. But really we're starting to feel (laughs) the consequences of, of not doing things that really fill up our cup. Like as much as that term gets thrown around, often we sacrifice those things where it's like, there are plenty of moments within a day we can start incorporating stuff back in.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think, especially like with burnout, I know like each of us has like a towel or like something that kind of it can be like a personal cue and so for a lot of people especially if you're someone who's like a thinker or you're someone who tends to be very like you're very driven in that way and I'll choose use myself as an example here like I'll become very disconnected from my body so my body will have a lot of cues from me like my neck will be sore my stomach will be upset my I'll be achy like all of these things but I'm so disconnected from it that I don't notice and so for me like having Having to do something that moves my body or I connect with my body every single day is a non-negotiable because if I don't do that, I disconnect from it and I'm like, I will go towards burnout because I will not be listening to my body. So it's through those moments, I'm able to be like, okay, t- I'm noticing like I'm starting to like get. That achiness here mm. like i need to start shifting things around and it's like that's the check-in that i need to be able to tell my brain like what's going on and then kind of connect the two because we can become very disconnected from our bodies which holds a lot of information
0: i love that for all the listeners out there to reflect on yeah what what are your tells like what are those mm-hmm. symptoms that and again it could be really anything could be your anything mind is operating your creativity level i I know for me i'm such a high energy guy that when i Mm -hmm. feel my energy start dipping that's usually the earliest tell. of like i normally don't have to like do a lot of things to boost my energy i just it's usually staying pretty high but um, I, and this leads me to kind of a. As y- I
1: watch you, like gulping your coffee, you <laughs> see
0: nothing. <laughs> this is an audio podcast <laughs> where there is no sign of me. I
1: am, I am. That's why I am. I'm, I am making your tells very visible. Okay, no secrets.
0: <laughs> I've been recovering, and with, i would like,
1: just for the record, I am drinking water. Okay, the
0: why, let the record show. <laughs> Let the record (laughs) show water and a giant Dunkin' Donuts, Uh, and I love. But you are
1: recovering. You're recovering. Yes, you are allowed.
0: I had a horrible stomach bug, and as you said right before we started recording, you're like, "Is that the best thing to be drinking (laughs) with recovering from a stomach bug? A giant Dunkin' Donuts coffee?" And I said, "It's not cold brew, so it's It's a small win. It's 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 the regular, a, a
1: small shift." It's small a small
0: change. You're yeah. Dang, you're yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. what yeah. What what can people do uh out there on the front end? So it's like a lot of things in medicine, it's always like, oh, you're you're in burnout now, or you're in depression now. Now what do you do? But w- what can people do sort of on a daily basis on the front end to sort of prevent yeah. from going into burnout? Yeah.
1: I would definitely see like, okay, what what get to know like what drains you, what fuels you. Like just begin mm. to start to notice that about yourself and start to look at, like take an audit of your days. So for example, like if you're looking at your days, like what are the things that drain you? What are the things that, you know, fuel you? And start to get to know that because you'll start to notice that if you are feeling like, you know, a little bit more depleted and you start to look at your day, and you're like, well, that makes sense. I'm doing back to back all day long, things that drain me. And then you get to start to see like, well, let me add in some things that I already know fuel me. And so getting really curious and knowing that about yourself on the front end is is really, really critical and building in for yourself things that are non-negotiable. So figuring out what those things are that you need to do for you and how you can hold yourself accountable to do those things. So for me, I have a planner um, and I paper planner. I'm very old school and I write in pen. I know, right? Archaic. <laughs> Archaic. I have a digital one too. I have like fifteen, but this is the master But I write in pen the things that are like my self-care like that I have to do. And there are like two to three things every week. Everything else is in pencil. And so those are the things that like, I'm not erasing them, like those are there. And um, I'm making that commitment to myself. And so it's figuring out because in the past, just I'll just erase it and put something else in place of it. Right. Like, and that's what I have to get smart and like outsmart myself here and figure out a way to make it so I cannot get rid of those things. And so figuring out a way to set yourself up to so you take care of yourself in advance and know what you will do to get out of it. So, like, what are the ways that you will kind of be like, oh, I'll just squeeze that out? You know, how can you trick yourself? That you don't do that, um, and you do take care of yourself because you have to take care of yourself in order to be able to to get through anything. Um, and it's just it's so 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 critical. And I think putting that in place, having boundaries, having really really strong boundaries, and practicing that, um, both internal and external boundaries, are really 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 important. So just having a good foundation of respect for yourself um, and for your needs so that you can meet the needs of everything else on your plate as it comes. Um, And I, am a huge believer in therapy. Uh, So if if therapy is an option, like having that as a preventative, even if it's just having knowing of, you know, a few therapists, you know, you don't can't go now, but like you could eventually, Mm -hmm. you know, have that information available. So that when you're in that moment, you're not in a crisis moment where you have to start, you know, you know, researching and all of that, but kind of preparing yourself in advance.
0: I, I just love the idea of something being in pen in our lives. <laughs> of like it's permanently yeah. sunk in. Like I can see you doing that with the, the yoga class. Like this is, this is my yoga session. I'm going like, and because uh, you know, uh, yeah. all of us out there, we got, we got kids, we got our jobs, you know, we got our businesses, we got our hopes, our aspirations, but it is that idea of like, but this is the thing I need. This is the thing I yeah. need that fills me back up. And and then you can get, I like that you were mentioning getting curious about little ways. Like I'm somebody like between sessions, I love just going out to my porch and playing with my plants, like watering yeah. Oh, yeah. them. I prune a few leaves. I'm getting the sun coming in naturally. Like I, it, that little reset for me, like it might be 20 mm-hmm. minutes, but I'm just like messing around with my plants. It feels way better than me staring at the screen trying to write a note answering five emails like yeah i need that to be the best therapist for my clients and it's but it's it, sometimes it is it's it's those small things
1: it's so small but it's like it's you're asking yourself like what will fuel me rather than like like what, what can I just produce, you know, which could actually be pretty draining. And then you have to enter that next session and you're drained, you know, completely drained versus like kind of filled up and ready. Um, And so just thinking about it in that way. And I think like the greenery, like that's a huge one for me too, is like just even walking outside and like looking at trees is so, it just gives you back life and it gives you, reconnects you and grounds you to, to things outside of the computer and just a sense of connection um,
0: which is so big so always always I know the screens yeah. after a while it just it becomes it becomes numbing but so many of our worlds are just lived through this artificial light and just shining right all day long I know. we, we have I so know. many questions from Instagram to get to but just, I just as kind okay. of like I guess a last one to like reflect on like do you think there are different different chapters like in your life that it's easier to burn out than others? I mean, you're a mom, you you've been a student, now you're running your business. Like in your experience, are there just some chapters of your life that are more prone to burnout?
1: Yeah, I think as you're going through a lot of changes mm-hmm. um in identity, especially, like those are huge shifts that are you're taking on so many new aspects of functioning that you maybe have never done before that you don't know about drains or fuels yet. And those are like chapters that are constantly changing as well. And so it's not a static, like, oh yeah, you know, like everything is, even in grad school, it's kind of like a steady state for it's very draining, but you get to know that state of draining um, pretty well of like, okay, this is going to be a few years of like intense, like ruling work and this is kind of all about me and my grueling work and, you know, my life and survival and all of that. But then, you know, different chapters, it's, it's not like that. It's constantly like being a parent, you're going through changes with the child and you're, you know, all of that things are constantly changing with the business things are constantly changing. And so it's, I think as, as you're going through identity changes um, and big shifts in life there's you're more prone to it just because of the, the the newness of it and not knowing and and change in itself. Um, you you're less prepared Um because there's no information yet.
0: That's so well said and something <laughs> for everyone out there listening to keep in mind, like, yeah, if you're going through adjustments, there's going to be a time where you have to figure out how these new stressors impact you, drain you, and and what you can incorporate back in. I, it's funny, a lot of times for me, like, as you go through those adjustments, you remember old things that used to fill your cup, like, like me remembering volleyball and being like, oh, yeah, I used no. to go to yoga more. Like, I used to call yeah. this friend more, and we used to just, like, talk about life together. But you can lose that in the transitions a bit and have to remind yourself, wait, 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 wait. Like, what are the aspects of me here?
1: Yes. And like, what little ways can I pull that back? Or do I want that? Am I missing that? And, you know, like, how can I, how can I reintegrate that into my life? Um, because I think that that's part of, you know, like, we don't have to go through like burnout. It's not a badge of honor that we have to wear. Um, and I think at some points it kind of is, I think that's why it's becoming like a really hot topic is that, our culture kind of does see it as a, like a badge of honor in some ways. Like, oh, you worked that hard that you burnt out. Like, kind of like it sucks, but kind of good for you, you know? And that's not so good. I feel like we're, but I think that as we're about it, we're starting to change the narrative and, and talk about ways that like, maybe it isn't a badge of honor, maybe avoiding it is really the badge of honor of like, how did you do all of that while maintaining like your sanity um, and enjoying life at the same time? Like that's, I want to know that more so um, and Absolutely. respect that. And yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I, I know as you experience uh, like with the game and the esports and how you help out with all that is like when people really embrace that, like burnout, lessons, performance Like it lessens your performance. It lessens your creativity. Oh. It's it's not a badge you want. It's like a weight on your shoulders that you're not going to be the best at whatever you're doing if you're struggling in burnout. Oh,
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the first thing with all of our gamers, our professional gamers. The first thing I do with them is say, you have to play less. And they're like, what? What do you mean? (laughs)
0: What
1: What? do you mean? What? (laughs) Yes. And we're going to meditate. We're going to start meditation. Um, So all of our all of our professional gamers do TM um, and they are trained in it and they all do it daily. So it's like and it. They see the changes, you know, working less actually increases their performance. And so there are real metrics that show them that. And it's it's pretty remarkable.
0: I love that so much. And again, it counters a lot of the nonstop level up, work, 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 climb the ladder, never take your foot off the gas pedal messages that get thrown out in our society that, again, they go against what we know about what actually creates optimal performance you need rest yeah reset you need sleep you need time away from your craft again to be able to come back and do the best you can there's no question um let's get to these instagram questions again shout out to every single person out there again Y'all really make that character limit work in that little question box. I
1: know, right? <laughs> they really do. I'm like, how do people get really creative? creative like, do do with this? their
0: abbreviations, yes. with their part one, part two, I part threes. I, I'm, I'm like, this is this is,
1: this is, good. I know, I know. So
0: good. But thank y'all so much. Let, let's get into them. Okay, question one. How do I manage daily fights against fatigue when I get home from work and have to take care of the fam?
1: Hmm. it's hard (laughs) i feel that i feel that like personally i feel that so daily fights against fatigue when i have to i think the first part is like looking at like the fatigue like what is causing the fatigue right Mm -hmm. are there is are there ways that we can decrease that sense of fatigue um in in real ways um because it's hard to know exactly what is causing that fatigue Mm -hmm. um And then looking at are there ways that taking care of your family doesn't have to contribute to the fatigue? Are there ways to decrease the sense of burden that's being felt there Um, and to shift that a little bit? um, Is there any type of support, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of what's going on there? Because support is a huge one. Asking for support, just being open. Like I'm exhausted. I just need, you know, five minutes to like take a shower and like reset. Um, And then. I will, you know, do X, Y, Z, but like even just having that sense of control, like I don't have to be on the second I get home. It can be really helpful and being vocal about that. Um, but also I think sometimes thinking about ways that we can reserve energy and maybe that's taking away a little bit ener- of energy from where you were before for that time at home, because sometimes we leave nothing for home Uh or for the end of the day. And we end the day feeling awful because we give the least amount to the people that mean the most to us. Um, And so it can kind of, it can also contribute to that sense of guilt um, and which contributes to fatigue. So it's, it's a real circle um, and thinking about like, what do I want it to feel like at home when I get home? And what can I do to kind of work backwards and make that happen? Because, you know, I think that's the ultimate. Is like, what ideally do we want it to look like? And how can we get there?
0: Uh, and I love the exploration, exploration that goes into that. Because you don't know. You don't know for this person is like, are they somebody that just gives their all into work and have a tough time? Like, you know, being like, this can wait till tomorrow, till my next shift, right. And you also don't know, it's easy for us to just assume roles of like, well, I have right. to cook, I have to clean them, I have to bathe, I have to do this thing. And a lot of us, cool. it's you start to see that challenge where it's like, okay, have you thought about you not taking on that role? Asking someone else to take on that role? Have you, mm-hmm. have you? been able to come home and articulate i like you had said I need 15 20 minutes or whatever it might be for the reset yeah. but us being the,
1: I'm not gonna clean up today and I'm gonna have a, ha- have a messy house and be okay with that
0: and be okay you with know? that right yeah. but that that can yeah. be something that is not only good for me but necessary of
1: yeah I'm gonna wait yeah. until
0: tomorrow when I have more energy the the yeah. sink won't explode if these dishes yeah. sit here some listeners right now are like oh god no, no. Oh my! God. My sink,
1: my sink might have exploded a few times, but I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that because I can take that. I can take the sink explosions, but I don't want to explode. So I would right. rather my sink explode. Yeah.
0: And, and agree, but it, it's so funny because I would like I was saying before, like my times in burnout, I can notice my own rigidity of like yep. I, I I can't change anything. My you no, know I'm I there's no time in the day. Nothing can nope. shift. But when you nothing. start really trying to turn over the rocks and be like, but where am I? Like you said, where am I pouring my energy? Mm-hmm. And like, what are the things I can advocate for? I can wait on this thing. I can ask for help for this thing. It starts mm-hmm. to open opportunity that I know in my rigid brain, I'm off. often like, nope, there's nothing. There's nothing I can do.
1: Right. And I think that that's maybe that is. Sometimes that's okay to be like I'm not changing anything and I'm just going to be tired. <laughs> if that's what someone wants, that's okay too, right? Like True. if you don't want to change anything and you're and you're okay being tired, like accepting that, right? Accepting that that's kind of what you want, and no one's no one's going to force it. That you don't have to be a joyful, energetic person all the time. It's okay to be tired.
0: It's you know, such a good yeah. motivational interviewing technique that I use often <laughs> myself. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, well then yeah. i'll stay the exact same and if i right. stay the exact same i guess i'll uh take these symptoms right. with me for however long right. i want yeah,
1: <laughs> look at you if you're coming in you're like i taught you probably taught me that so
0: <laughs> there's no way carol you're giving me way Definitely. too much credit you're giving me you way
1: probably too taught me it. yes
0: <laughs> well let's hop to the next question here i'm a manager
1: Mm. A, lot,
0: a lot of stress goes that's in. Tough.
1: It. It that's That's a lot but, of stress right there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Just right there. Put, we don't I would, even need...
1: I would, I would quit that. Yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Already. But this day, I'm a manager. Supporting everyone on my team with burnout is burning me out. Mm-hmm. What can I do?
1: That's mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. I think supporting everyone on your team with burnout is, that's a lot. And I, I would be curious what that actually looks like supporting people with burnout um what that actually looks like and what the boundaries are there because right. as a manager like how far are you going in supporting people with burnout and are you actually supporting or is it more so reinforcing and mm, you know mm. i don't know so i, I would get curious about that and also as a manager you have a great opportunity to model healthy behaviors that go against burnout. So I would take that as a modeling opportunity to show ways that maybe, you know, that it's okay to, you know, at the end of the day to be like, you know, tomorrow we'll handle that. And let's, you know, check out for today or let's go for a walk, you know, during lunch or, you know, you have opportunities to model some really good ways um, of counteracting burnout yourself that can help others um, by just watching.
0: I, I love that. And I couldn't agree more. And depending on what kind of manager they are, sometimes middle management is an mm-hmm. awful place because you're getting pinched from both ways. Yes. But I agree. It's like if you're that manager who's working real late, you're getting in wildly early, you're you're constantly sprinting around. I, I mean, you are promoting the burnout culture you're seeing in front of you happen. Yes. Yeah. Vers- versus how do you help slow the team down? How how do you encourage yeah. the team to take pause, take break, refill in any small way they might be able to? Again, yes. it, it could be even how you communicate with them that you can start to see like again, you modeling being more regulated, more grounded, take five kind of mentality. Yeah. But every yeah. every situation's different, every work environment's different. But I'm with you that sometimes that modeling it, it sets a tone when you're the the manager, the boss.
1: But I think just the question itself, this man, like this person, as it's pretty incredible. This manager knows that the employees are burned out because that's Love a it. very good relationship that the employees are that comfortable. Because a lot of people don't share that, mm-hmm. and you know their managers aren't supportive of it. It's like, well, how do we just get more from you um, versus supporting them? So I think just that insight is pretty incredible.
0: We love that. We love a compassionate yeah. manager. So cheers to you wherever yeah. you are out there. And hopefully, and maybe the only other thing is like maybe there's something else in the system. Maybe there's something in the yeah. system, of course, of like what's causing all your employees, your team to get burned out. Like you, you probably yeah. have some ideas of what the causes are. And can you shift some yeah. of those? Because I I definitely believe your team was less burned out, obviously that would <laughs> that would help everybody. It would
1: help you out. Yes, yeah, it would help everyone. <laughs>
0: but there's always nuance to that for sure. Next question here. Is there a type of person that is more prone to burnout? For example, people pleasers, parents, perfectionists. Why are these all P words?
1: <laughs> uh, that's a good, well, let's take of some more. Um, I think there, I, I used to say there was a type of person, but now I've seen every type of person that has experienced this. So I'm not really sure that there is a type of person. I think that, I think for sure people are more prone than are the people pleasers, the Mm perfectionists like that for sure, you know, is because you're externally focused, right? You are focused on what you're doing, what you're creating. You're not connected to yourself. So I think just that in itself, you're, very much prone to burnout um, because of disconnection. But I think for a lot of people, like you can get into a state where you can go towards burnout and there's no underlying, like, this is their trait. Um, They might not even be someone who's that type A. It's just, it could be the circumstances, the situation, and, you know, they get to a point where the stressors outweigh their Their um, resources, and so they're just completely depleted um, in every way. And so I think you know there are definitely some characteristics, but the end of the day, I think really anyone can experience it. Um, There's really there's no no one is off limits here.
0: I I totally agree, and yeah, I'm with you that like. People who are naturally externalized, um, highly yeah. sensitive people, individuals uh, on the spectrum t- tend to probably be more at risk, but I'm with, yeah, I've seen all, all the types of people, the type B people, yeah. the, I used to be easygoing people. I, I've seen all yeah. the types fall into the burnout chapters where you're like, how do I get myself? how did I get here? And how do I get myself yeah. out?
1: Right, right. Totally.
0: Great questions. Uh next one, what can you do if you cannot walk away from or pause a job that is causing you burnout? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I think that's a big one, right? Like oftentimes that is what we hear is like I can't change anything externally. So it's I think it's exactly kind of what we were talking about before, where it's looking at okay, I can't I can't change my job right now. What can I do that will add some sort of fuel, you know, to my tank? What can I do outside of my job when I have you know a minute or a second to myself? If it's not volleyball or yoga, if it's just walking outside and looking at the plants, if it is taking you know a ten minute walk, if it is calling Calling someone that you become disconnected from that's really kind of a supportive person looking for those, you know, few things that you can sprinkle in to give you back a sense of yourself that's outside of your work. Um, and I, I would truly start outside of work because obviously work is the place that's very draining. So look mm-hmm. outside of it first um, and see what, what fuel you can add to the tank um, because the work is, it's consistent. It's going to stay that, that draining place for now. But if we add in some fuel, that might shift things in a good direction.
0: Totally. And I, I think over the long haul, and this is with a lot of clients that I've worked with, it's like, this is a good starting point. It's a good starting yeah. point. Because most of us aren't like, oh, my job is causing me burnout, I'm quitting my job. Most of us don't have that luxury. That's not gonna be the easiest thing to do. So we start by trying to add and fill in other dimensions, find fuel. The one thing I will say, having worked with a lot of different clients on this, is over time though, if you see someone and they're trying to gain fuel here, they're trying to shift this and that, and the months and the months go by, it is completely highlighting for you this dynamic that you experience at work or in your relationship Mm -hmm. or in your caregiver role that you're like, you might need some sort of intervention there. Like you might need to take a different position at work. You might need to cut back hours or or something might, again, if months go by and you've tried many different things, I've certainly had the clients where like, now we're accepting You can only fill up so much. And this job is so draining.
1: So draining. We have
0: to do some intervention at the source, but not always.
1: Yeah, totally. No, but I think even there, you come from it at a place where you you feel like a lot more confident in yourself that you, and a lot more, you have more fuel to be able to make that change and to make that kind of, to be able to assert yourself, to feel a little bit more empowered because your whole life isn't in that one bucket anymore. And you're right. able to look at it a little bit differently and be like, okay, something's got to change here. Something has got to change. And I'm able to see that now because there's a lot more going on that I've, I've tried. And this one thing is is just not okay
0: anymore. Uh, exactly exactly a lot of times we need we need the time to let that marinate and figure it out of how much this thing is impacting me uh really thoughtful question here how do you know the difference between when it's time to remove yourself you know and i'm thinking in this of like yeah quit the job you know end Mm -hmm. a relationship whatever versus needing to better manage your time
1: hmm remove yourself this is a very thoughtful question i'm going deep into thought here <laughs> um better manage yourself versus removing yourself i think i mean it sounds like the first thing would be like looking at different ways of that. like if you have tried right like if you've tried different things and it's not working then it, it sounds like then it would be like okay like what other things can i do here is it removing is it making a change in kind of like the position um, mm-hmm. or what you're doing, um, because you can only you can only manage your time so many ways. So mm-hmm. if that doesn't work after a point, it's then it's definitely time to shift something else.
0: Exactly. I think that's another example where I think you can start with trying to manage your time better, mm-hmm. and I think in doing so, I've certainly had clients have been like, Oh, that was it." And I'm like stoked. I'm like, yeah. oh, sweet. Like we recreated a yes. system that works yeah. better for you and we're good here. But then, yeah. of course, you have the clients where, yeah, they, they've tried to manage the time better. And it's still yeah. pointing Nothing to, to yeah. the source of something exactly. removed here. Yeah.
1: Right. And usually that those attempts, they give you a lot more information. You're able to see a lot more. Like, okay, yeah, this is not, there's no, I, there's no way that I can kind of creatively like strategically right. manage this any that, you know, there's no way. And so you you have much more information um about it and you feel, you know, a lot more confident about like the next step.
0: hundred percent. Yep. This one is a very broad question, but it needed to be asked or said. Any way y'all can touch on caregiver burnout, you, you bet we can touch on caregiver burnout. What, what has either your experience been as a person or as a therapist, Carolyn, like what, what, yeah, tell us the thing.
1: Oh, Oh, caregiver burnout is so hard. Well, so my, my past before all this was I worked with childhood cancer um, patients and so with the parents. And so even in college, I worked on like, caregiver stress and so that was the main my main thesis and it is it's so intense because in a lot of situations it's from a place of so much love so much caring so much compassion fatigue um and I think this comes back to that that old saying, right? Like you have to put your oxygen mask on first. Um, and so with caregiver burnout, I don't think there's any walking away usually when we look at it. Mm-hmm. It's more so like, how do I take care of myself so that I can still take care of this person? Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at really supporting yourself while supporting the other person because you don't have to sacrifice yourself um, in the process. And I think a lot of people get that they, they lose sight of that, um, that they will go do anything and everything to take care of the other person. But in the process, they're, they're sacrificing their own well-being completely. Uh, and that's not sustainable. And the other person likely needs you to be able to sustain yourself and take care of yourself. Um, so looking at ways to, to get some support, to take some time for you, to not see it as um, selfish, but looking at it as survival. As, as kind of what you need to survive to keep going forward um, and to keep pushing forward and keep reminding yourself of the why, why you're doing this, why you are you know, a caregiver, why you're experiencing this. It's because likely coming from a deep place of love um, mm-hmm. and you got to give a little bit of love back to yourself.
0: And I, I love that you touched on, especially with your experience with uh, childhood pediatric cancer it's like Mm -hmm. there's so many situations in our life where our default is just to sort of give endlessly right when someone we we love is like suffering like that we just we just feel that gravity pull of like i just have to do everything for this person but that that's when people like you professionals out there reminding them like the best version of yourself. And the best way that you're going to help, you know, your daughter, your son, your mm-hmm. grandpa, grandpa, whoever it might be, is going to be when you're afloat, when you're feeling rested yeah. in yourself. It's it's not going to be yeah. when you're also sinking and you're yeah. you're trying to give to this person. But I I, I get it. That's often not our default of like, oh, I need need to go for a run right now because I need 30 minutes of a reset. You know, our mind will just be like, I must be with this person right now. They're suffering.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it goes against every instinct that you have, right, to take care of yourself in those experiences. But it's it's you, even someone who's able to recognize that, like I'm feeling it. It's it, it's like okay, I need to I need to give a little bit back to myself so I can keep doing this and keep cool. taking care of, you know. And I think that's also kind of what compassion fatigue, what a lot of people in the medical profession, you know, can experience, where they see so much suffering and they want to help so much that they completely neglect themselves in the process and, and burn out. And we lose such great, incredible, you know, professionals to that um, because they don't feel like they're, they're suffering or what they're feeling, you know, compares to what, what the people they're helping, um, what they're going through. And so there's no, there's no comparing with suffering, you Mm -hmm. know, it's just, you have to take care of yourself to be able to take care of others.
0: No, that actually relates perfectly to another question we got here, which says, What do you do when you're burnout, but you can't walk away in the moment, like you're an ER doctor or parent or caregiver?
1: Yeah, yeah. Most of the time you can't, you don't, you can't, of course, you can't walk away. And so it's about, what do I need to be able to do to take to keep going and keep taking care of you know this person? What do I need here? What kind of support do I need? Um, and so and what support is in place? And so for physicians, there are there is support place in a lot of places but you got to ask and you got to find out what that support is um because you need to be able to you need to take it you need to actually ask for it and take it and use it um, and take care of yourself even as a parent there's a lot of support in place usually um in pediatric um, you know that for people like I would do is I would volunteer, I would go in, I would sit with the kids, so the parents could go home and take a shower, or, you know, get go have lunch with a family member, do something like that, just take an hour for themselves, be able to ask for help, so that you can get that time because you need it. Um, and then you come back, but you need to be able to, to be able to kind of exchange these roles at the same time, be a caregiver and a human who's taking care of themselves. And so it is incredibly difficult and it's going to feel incredibly difficult and you're going to feel tremendous guilt likely when you're doing that, when you're taking care of yourself. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It's just that likely default feeling that comes up and you just, you do the thing while experiencing the guilt. And then you you kind of recognize, all right, the guilt's just here, but it's not it's not actually helping me. And so you take care of yourself, you go back, the guilt goes away, and you likely feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And the next time, you're probably going to feel the guilt as well. And you know, for a lot of us, it is just a default. When we take care of ourselves, or when we're in that caregiver role, we do feel that guilt. And it's okay to just say, all right, it's here, and I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I'm going to not let it. that dictate.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm doing it anyways. I love that. and. I- Everything you said is, is necessary. And I think maybe like in a moment, it's just important to remind yourself, you know, you're in the moment as the caregiver, you're in the moment as the ER doc and you're feeling tired, unmotivated, whatever. It's a, it's okay and important to tell yourself, my best today is good enough. That yeah. I think a lot of us can just get in that mode of like, well, I'm not a hundred percent. So obviously any way I help this patient's going to be shitty. Or, you yeah. know, me as a parent, like I'm feeling drained. So obviously, you know, this moment with my son isn't going to be as valuable. But I think sometimes we need to encourage ourselves to be like, yeah. I, I'll take care of myself. I'm going to find moments to reset. But my best I can give today is good enough. Let's not it's, it's, compound it by yeah. saying I'm awful now because I'm a little tired right. today and beat ourselves yeah. up.
1: yeah. Right. And to remind ourselves that we're human and like to remind ourselves, like, this is hard, like what I'm going through and what I'm experiencing. Like, this is tough. Like, you don't have to deny that, you know, like to at least validate for yourself. Like, this is tough. Um, And to give yourself that validation rather than trying to run from that feeling um, and ignoring it and just accepting that this is hard. And I'm going to kind of kind of stay with it, you know, and give what I can today.
0: Totally. Totally. Couple questions here about good old school. How can I oh, deal gosh. with
1: <laughs> So relatable.
0: Feel it in my so soul.
1: Relatable. <laughs> me too.
0: How can I deal with burnout when I have so many deadlines to meet for school?
1: Mm. <laughs> I don't want to go back there. <laughs> um, okay. Don't take me Let's back. See. <laughs> don't do it. Uh, when you have so many deadlines for school, I mean, they're deadlines, right? They're dates. They're just, they're dates on a calendar. And so you, you deal with it just like any other date, but you break it down you make it smaller. And I think by making it, you know, smaller and giving yourself rather than looking at like these big days, just look at little things that are within your control. You can't really put control on like a big, you know, a date or a number, but like, you know what, what are the three things I'm going to do today? That's mm-hmm. what I can control that are kind of getting me towards those dates. But the dates are just big, scary numbers. Um, And so just look at, all right, I know, you know, whatever those dates are, if they don't have to be right in front of you, but you can know them and you can write down like, okay, these are the three things I'm doing today for whatever deadlines are coming up. And that's within my control. And those dates are going to exist and they're big and scary and you know, daunting, but, you know, I think I would resist having a huge like countdown, you know, timer on your computer that's showing you the minutes passing until the next deadline and all of that. I would, I've would reduced that and all the scary reminders and just look at what's within my control here and let me make a little bit of progress today. I think sometimes with deadlines, we can avoid and procrastinate. Uh, and then we make it so much worse for ourselves. So approach is little baby steps.
0: Totally. And I know you're a much more like structured, organized person than I am, but this is where I think your strategies, even for someone like me that like tends to shoot from the hip a lot, it helps immensely when you can start structuring your day to be like, okay, I'm going to spend a couple hours on this assignment, but then in the middle of the day, I'm going to spend a couple hours, I'm going swimming at the pool. I'm going to lay out there and listen to my favorite podcast for a few hours. Because then when you're doing that, you feel like I've structured this time. I'm not procrastinating. I've allowed myself these two hours. I'm laying by the pool, listening to my podcast. And then I know I'm going to eat and I'm going to cycle back. And I got two more hours coming up back to the assignment. But like, when you have no structure, when you when you all shoot from the hip, it's easy to confuse, am I procrastinating or am I filling my cup to go back to do the work in a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think those deadlines are usually just anxiety because we don't want to like do anything about it. So we're just like, oh, I'm just going to push it so far away and avoid that. But I think by doing little things and approaching it and structuring it, you, you start to feel a little bit more in control versus like the dates are controlling you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So well said. Yeah. yeah. So, so the first part of this one is easy to answer. Can students get burnout from schoolwork? Yes. <laughs> 100%. Yes. Yes. Correct. It correct.
1: is designed that way. Yes.
0: <laughs> which goes to the second right. part, which I'm sure you have something to say about. College classes in high school are very challenging and stressful. What can I do about it? Like
1: college classes in high school? High school. Why are that's, you taking college classes in high school? That's what all these <laughs>
0: students are doing nowadays.
1: Why? It's I'm awful. Digging. Don't do that. Wait <laughs> for college to take college classes.
0: <laughs> Marilyn, they're getting like <laughs> associate's degrees out of high school. I don't school
1: know now. why. I, now I'm feeling very old. I did <laughs> not do that. I took high school classes in high school. Um yeah, college classes in high school are gonna be very hard because they're not structured on the high school, like college classes are structured very differently than high school classes. Um, yeah. I mean, based on what I remember now it's a long time ago but you know high school is like you have got you've got semesters and like you have your go all day you do a lot of work in school you have like homework time like very, very different Even in college you have classes that are hours long and you, you know, have a lot more free time to be able to do assignments and things. And so it is very difficult. And I think you have to remind yourself that it's on a different kind of you're comparing like a very different landscape of what you're looking at. Um, that way is to make it manageable, given that you are in high school um, and, you know, what is manageable for you and asking yourself why you're taking this class um, in the first place. <laughs> um, but if you're going to take it, look at ways to make it manageable given um, you know, what your responsibilities are and if there are ways for your high school to support you um, in, in managing that workload on top of your other classes because I would assume that hopefully they would they would somewhat support you in, in doing that. But totally. I just landscape by it. I have not navigated myself.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I know a lot of my teens. Are doing this right now that I I see in private practice and part of oh, yeah I, you gotta get, I don't
1: let I don't let any of mine I don't let any I'm like nope <laughs> you're not allowed to do
0: that <laughs> all of a sudden all my clients are asking for transfers and they're like Carolyn works in the same town as you Dr J so I yeah, I, I yeah. transferred yeah. to Dr Rubenstein and uh, I'm not much happier let me now
1: take college yeah, yeah she doesn't let me take
0: college classes <laughs> no I think this is it's it's definitely more the norm down here here in South Florida like people are taking a lot of college classes because and they feel pressure to and I your reflection I think is solid of like if you feel the pressure what's the why and it's like maybe you want to save money but maybe you take only a couple and it's like I know a lot of my teens are like I have to take three college classes this semester and it's like it's good to ask yourself and why do I have to you know, is right, it worth right. the sacrifice? It's, I mean, these are the same students that when I would see them at University of Miami, they're having 20 uh, credit hour semesters and you're I like, know. wait, why are you taking 20 credits? And they're like, I have to. And it's like, I have to, but why? <laughs> but, why? but why? Why? Do you why? They're like, why? I have to graduate. Like, I don't, I don't like you. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, but why? you know, and it's sometimes but you can still graduate in three years without taking twenty credits right now. You know, it's like maybe you can take seventeen um you know, this semester or you know, look for creative ways or to take twenty of the hardest credits. You know, is there a way to balance this out a little bit?
0: Totally, totally right. And it's like we have to ask ourselves those hard questions. And be reflective and and see like what are the avenues yeah. I can change to create the gaps so I keep my head above water and not slip into burnout. Well, oh, the, all these questions were yeah. so great. Thank you as always to everyone out there. They were was, uh, always making us think all yeah. the different scenarios. Carolyn, where can people follow you? You're you're involved with so yeah. many things. I, I, tell me oh where they can follow you. Tell me a little bit more about Misfit Gaming Group. Like tell me Yeah. The
1: th- okay. The things. All right. People can follow me. I guess Instagram is where I'm mainly like the most like present. So Carolyn Rubenstein PhD, very long, um, is where I'm mostly present. Uh and then Misfits is a esports. Technically, it's video gaming, right? Video gaming organization. And we work with competitive players that are playing um, in leagues across the world in in games. They play in stadiums like Madison Square Garden and things like that and on stages in front of fans. And it's it's such a cool world. Um, and we also are working with content creators that are working, you know, are on Twitch and YouTube creating content around things like Minecraft and other things and you know. Actively creating communities and support and advocacy, and are launching their own programs and um, products and just the coolest stuff. And are creating have such wonderful communities of their own and being able to support them as they do this is is truly wonderful. And as we talk about burnout, one of our creators right now, Toby, who's Tabo um, for other people, is outside right now doing a seventy-two hour live stream. So that is going to be which is not that long, he said. And I'm like, what do you mean it's not yes. that long? I know, because I walk by and there's a sign that says you consent to being in this live stream if you walk here. I'm like, no, not doing that. I'm like, how do you sleep and how do you go to the bathroom? So that would probably be on his live stream. I just asked him all those questions because um, that's not OK. And that is how you create burnout. So no <laughs> 72 hour live streams. OK, that is my number one thing. And I will shut this down afterwards because <laughs> that is not OK. um but some very cool stuff and i like to work with them on preventing burnout so
0: but your work is cut out for you but yeah misfits is so cool so interesting it's a great thing for you to be involved in they're lucky to have you dr rubenstein oh Um, thank you thank you so much for coming on the pod we need to meet up and get coffee soon we're in this same town no excuses please awesome
1: Yes, I would love that. No excuses. Awesome. (laughs) So great seeing you as
0: always. For everyone out there, if you like this episode, review it, share it, drop it in the group chat. Always appreciate your vulnerability and your questions. And we'll see y'all next time.